Well, good morning. Man, y'all don't look any worse for the wear. You, you did all right with the hour, didn't you? Of course, of course, this is the last service. I mean, what y'all lose? Y'all just woke up like an hour ago, didn't you? <laughs> Good to see you. Hey, I think I've been waiting my whole life to say this. Church is a lot like cross country. Now, a lot of you may not even know what cross country is, but it's a pretty big sport in our house. We're, we're very aware that probably Americans will never be watching this on Saturday and Sunday afternoon. We, we get that, but it's been a good sport for us. Uh, cross country, like track and field, that's both by runners, both what we think of as, a, as an individual sport. The difference, of course, track and field is, you know, you run in a circle. Cross country is out on the fields and through the woods and over the streams, and uh, it, it, it takes place in the fall. Now, here's the reason why I think cross-country is a lot like church. If you walk up on a cross-country meet, you walk up one Saturday morning and they're there on the starting line and the gun goes off and the runners start taking off over the into the woods and whatnot, you're watching that, you see a bunch of individuals. This is individuals that are in a race. There's, there's going to be an individual that comes in first place. There's going to be an individual that comes in last place. There's going to be individual awards. As a matter of fact, running track and field cross country usually referred to as a, excuse me, as an individual sport. But what a lot of people don't realize about cross country, even more than track and field, is cross country is an intensely team sport. I mean, there's, there's team strategy. There's this thing called pack running. I won't get into that right now, but it is very much a team sport. That individual running is thinking about his team, thinking about how they're going to do, how that, that team victory is as big as the individual victory. There's seven runners on a cross country team and the first five across the finish line score points and your points are based on your finished. So if you come in second, that's two points. If you come in 21st, that's Oh my gosh, y'all really did lose the hour, didn't you? It really is hurting you. Yeah, 21st is 21 points. Now here's where it gets tricky. A lot of cross-country meets are, are pretty big. It's, it's not unusual in some of them to have three, 400 runners. So when your fifth guy comes across in 313th, that's a lot of points. Because low points wins. And, and folks, this is very big in cross country, that, that team victory. Uh, and, and it's just as dependent on the last guy on the team. You know, you know in, in, in team sports, you think about your individual, your superstar. I would say the way cross country works, it's more of a team sport than football and basketball. Now you're saying, okay, now you're just getting crazy. Yeah, probably a little bit. But, but go with me on this. We have all seen... We've all seen this, 22 people on the field in football, 10 people on the court in basketball, but we've seen that superstar rise up. We've seen Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Peyton Manning, a Tom Brady, we've seen them literally seize the game. We've seen them rise up in the midst of that great moment, and it seems like by the force of their will, one man on the field, and they're controlling how that game unfolds and what happens. We, we refer to, man, they're carrying the team. Did you know in cross country, an individual cannot carry the team? You, you can have the best runner on, 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 at the meet. You can have the best runner in the state. You can have the best runner in the nation, and he can't do anything beyond what one person can do. And you're still completely dependent upon that number five runner. Every single person on the team counts and it takes the whole team to get the victory. 
Now here's why I say this is a lot like church. You think about us arriving here this morning. Think of that as kind of the starting line. Okay, we're, we're all coming in and we're walking into church. And, and boy, we approach this as individuals. We, we, we have individual goals, individual expectations uh, of the morning and why we're here. We're all kind of in our own individual story. We're in our individual place in our, our journey with the Lord. There's no doubt this, is, this moment, this time is about individuals. There's going to be a very individual experience. We see this every single Sunday. There's going to be somebody walk out of here in an hour and, and they'll go out there, man, that, that was the best hour of my life. Man, I've, I've never heard God speak like that. I've never seen God move like that. That was just one of the most profound moments in my entire life with God. And somebody else will walk out right in the same service, right through the same two doors and go, eh, it's all right. So we're going to have very individual experiences. There's an individual thing going on here. And yet, make no mistake, folks, this is an intensely team sport. It's as a team that we worship. It's actually as a team that we baptize, that we do Lord's Supper. And while we might seem to scatter a bit as individuals, it's actually as a team that we go out and do the Lord's work. As individuals, we will more significantly grow and we will more significantly follow Christ when we do that as a team. Are you aware that the New Testament speaks to us so much more as a team than it does individuals? You get a lot more of this in the New Testament. Okay, everybody's hand in. Then you get the New Testament pulling out an individual and speaking to them just as an individual. We are a team. And this is kind of the idea that we, we kind of presented last week, we kind of introduced last week, that, that we're all a part of this one team. The New Testament uses a lot this word body. We're, we're all parts of a body, and we're all affecting the body. Everybody in here this week, in the last seven days, you affected the life and the health and the strength and the well-being and the victory of this team, or, or maybe you had an impact on the loss and this week, you may not have even have known it was happening, but your life was blessed because of your role, or maybe your life was held accountable because of the, the lack of you playing that role. You, you know, folks, I, I said last week, this is a truth I just think so few live in light of. How many people in the world, how many believers in the world in the last seven days had a single thought? Spent a single moment thinking about how they as an individual were affecting the body of Christ. Gosh, would it, would it be 1%? Did 1% of the body think? I mean, how can we be healthy when 99% maybe never even acknowledge or, or recognize that? And I think there's a reason we don't acknowledge it or recognize it. I think it's hard to measure I, I think it's hard to see, may even be hard to believe that, oh yes, me, an individual, is affecting the, the health of this whole place. It, maybe it's hard to see, hard to measure, hard to believe. But folks, God says it's true. Now, this concept was introduced to us in, in the context of our honor series. We, we've been taking this year to look at this incredible promise in Scripture where the Lord says, honor me and I'll honor you. Show the weight, show the significance, show the value of me in your life, and, and I'll show weight, I'll show value, I'll show significance 
in your life. Notice there's an order there. We, we put him first. We show the honor of him first. Well, why does he, why does he go first? Why? I mean, it seems natural, wouldn't it? Hey, Lord, if you come do this for me, then I'll have the faith to believe. Then I'll, I'll have the strength to, to honor you. But folks, if we're not in a position where we're honoring God, then that means we're in a dishonorable place. See, God is truth. God is right. God is good. God is just. So we move to where he is, and then that's a position he can honor and bless. If we're not in that position, then it would almost be a disservice of God to honor us in a place where we're not standing in truth and and in righteousness. So we honor him, and then he makes that promise he'll honor us. And we've looked at, at, at things God has told us to honor, people he's told us to honor. We're going to do that to honor him. We've looked at ways God has told us to honor him. And so it was in the context of that that we said, hey, one of the things we're to honor, if we're going to honor the Lord, is we've got to honor the church. You can't separate the two. The Bible says Jesus is the head and the church is the body. You can't separate the two and there still be life. Jesus is the groom and the church is the bride. You can't separate the two and there still be love. If we're going to honor the Lord, we have to honor the church. There's no way to separate it. Let me remind you some of the verses. Some of this is new. We didn't look at all these verses last week. But 1 Corinthians 12, by the way, a great chapter to check out. The entire chapter is on this idea. And I pulled out just a couple of lines. And the way I pulled out the lines, it flowed if I pulled them out out of order. And so this isn't a typo. That's actually the order these lines come from. Verse 27, then up to 7, then back down to 25. So go home and read the whole chapter. But here you go. You are the body of Christ. You might have prayed to receive Christ this week. You've been a follower of Jesus for three days. You might be a follower of Jesus for 50 years now, you, you personally, you individually are a part of the body of Christ. You're a member of it. God places you in the body. And to each of us is given a manifestation, a gift, uh, an ability, a way to, uh, from the Spirit for the common good. In other words, folks, God not only commands you and me to contribute to the whole, to help the whole, but then he gives you an ability He not only commands it, but then he makes it so that you can do it through this gift of the Spirit. Why? That the members may have the same care for one another. There's an equal opportunity to impact. In other words, this team is not going to be carried by a superstar. We're we're not looking for one to, to, to make lead us on to victory. But no, all together, all together, we have the same care, the same concern, the same work for one another. Romans chapter 12. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo. Look, God's got a little competitive nature there, doesn't he? I see a competition. Let's see who wins. Outdo one another in showing honor. Listen, when we honor each other, folks, that's honoring the church. Remember, honoring the church isn't honoring the sign out front. It's not honoring an address. It's not honoring a building. We're honoring one another. Don't be lazy about that. Don't be lazy. Don't be negligent. Don't let this fall down on your priority list. This needs to be something that you are fervent, that you are zealous, that you're passionate about in the way that you serve the Lord. 
So this is, this is what we've been introduced to. There's a body. We're members of it. And we're to be contributing to that. We're to have the thought, hey, I'm making this body healthy. I'm making it strong. Or I, I'm not. And, and there's a consequence for that. There's an accountability for that. You know, as I've been thinking through that in these last two weeks working on this, I actually had a thought dawn on me that, that I've never really realized before. You know, when you and I think about church, we tend to think very one-directional. We think about what the church is doing for us, don't we? And by the way, I'm not getting ready to say, shame on you, shame on me. I'm just telling you, it's very natural. You know, the, the church blesses me, the church feeds me. I like that church. They believe in what I believe in. They do what I think is important to do. I, I like this, I like that. When we leave here in a moment, we're going to walk out to our cars and what are we going to do? We're going to critique the last hour. I like that song. I didn't like that song. I like the message. Ah, I didn't care for the message that much. Oh, I like this person. This person said this to me. This person didn't even speak to me. And we're going we're gonna to evaluate... We're going to critique what the body did for me. It's very natural. I'm not suggesting a right or wrong of that. It's just very natural. What's interesting though, you won't find a single verse in the New Testament that guides me and helps me critique you. (laughs) You you won't find any verses that say, hey, Randy, when you're walking to your car and you're thinking about what the church meant to you that day, you know, ask these questions. It doesn't do that. As a matter of fact, do you know what the New Testament guides us to do? The exact opposite of what we do. Instead of walking to the car and thinking, hey, what did the church mean for me this morning? I should be walking to the car saying, man, I wonder what I meant to the church today. I mean, I, I wonder if I blessed people today. I, you know what? I, I know somebody who needed to be blessed I know somebody who needed to be encouraged. I really intended to get to them. I intended to say something. I intended to stop and pray for them. Hey, who did I encourage? Do we walk to the car and critique? If we made this a great morning at the Heights, I'll answer the question for us, folks. No, we don't. No, we don't do that at all. Now, again, I'm not saying it's wrong. I just think it's very natural. We're going to walk to the car and say, I like this. I didn't like that. But maybe we should try to grab a hold a little bit of the flavor of what the New Testament wants us walking to the car also thinking. How did I make this a better church this morning? How did I make this a better, more faithful, more obedient church this week? That's that's what we're to be thinking on. And that is what we are to be doing. Folks, if we're going to honor the Lord, we have to honor the church. And that's what we want to look at this morning. How do we do that? And as you came in today... Uh, you saw in your bulletin or you were handled, ha- handled handed a, uh, a, a personal plan for honoring his church. If you didn't get one, hold your hand up. I think our, our ushers are coming now and they'll, they'll hand, yeah, we've got some, a few people here and there all about. Um, what, what we've got here is six things. Now, you remember last week I said there's actually probably several ways we could approach looking at how we honor the church. So I'm not trying to suggest this is the only thing. This is the only way. I I think there's a couple of ways we could approach it. But I think these are six very foundational things when you become a part of a body, when you become a part of a team. These are contributions, I'll use the word, that we're all required to make. As a matter of fact, you might look at some of these and say, man, this looks pretty hard. Man, this looks like something people really mature, really along in the faith, really been a believer for a long time. Folks, I would hand this card to somebody while they're drying off after getting out of the baptismal. 
I, I would hand this card to somebody who prayed to receive Christ three minutes ago. This is absolutely foundational stuff to being a faithful, effective part of a body. So let's look at what these six things are. Number one, everybody got one now pretty much, yeah? Okay, good. Number one, uh, I commit to honoring God by developing a lifestyle that worships him in all places and by worshiping with my church family each week. Hebrews chapter 10 says, do not forsake getting together with each other. Don't forsake this assembly. We, we are to gather. We are to meet. And we're to meet with a purpose. We're not meeting to talk about last week. We're not, we're not meeting to play bingo. We're not getting together to talk about what good people we are in this sorry bad world out there. No, we get together to worship. We get together to see the glory and the greatness of God. We get together to see how big and awesome he is. We get together to think on the greatness of God. That's the purpose of our gathering. This is our unity this is what makes us, about, we are a lot of individuals and it's worship that makes us one. Now we're, we're going to miss some here and there, aren't we? Anybody going on vacation in 2015? I mean, you sure hope so, right? Yeah, vacation, maybe we're going to be a little sick. Man, I hope it's not on a Sunday, but every now and then you just wake up and you're having one of those days, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, that's, that's okay. There's not a legalism here. You miss church once, you're going straight to hell. Don't pass go, don't collect $200, nothing. No, that, that's not what this is saying. But you know what it is saying? The scripture is saying, folks, that our being here is the norm. Our, our being here is the discipline of our life. It's the commitment of our life. It's not an unusual thing when we show up. It's an unusual thing when we miss. It's, it's a rarity when we miss. And, and you know, folks, of these six things, this is the foundation of the other five. I think by and large, people who've got the first one, it's a lot easier to build and develop those other five. But when you don't have the first one, then the other five are pretty hard to bring about with any kind of consistency and, and significance. So we make a commitment to be here. Did you know, by the way, that being here is a ministry? You have a ministry when you come in here and sit. It's one of the easiest things we do in the ministry, right? You say, it's not a ministry to come in here and sit. Sure it is. You ever been to a party where nobody showed up? You ever walked into a restaurant and there's like three tables being used? What do you think when you walk into a room and it's mostly empty? Ugh. I mean, really, think about it. Your first thought is a downer. Your first thought is, what's wrong with this place? You know, we, we've almost accepted that we're going to walk into church in America and go, well, nobody's here today. I guess there's ice here in the middle of July. <laughs> You know, folks, you know what, though, when we walk into a room and it's full and it's bustling and there's activity, we feel like we're a part of something. We feel like, hey, I'm, I'm where people are. I'm where something's happening. I'm an introvert. I'm rarely looking for a group. I don't need to be in the middle of it, but I sure like knowing I'm where everybody else is. I'm, I'm where the crowd is. It is a ministry to be here. You encourage others when you're here. Second commitment. I commit to honoring God through financially supporting the ministries of the Heights Baptist Church in a God-honoring manner. And of course, we did a message on this just here a couple of weeks ago using those verses. And we saw that a God-honoring way of giving gives to him first. God's not the last thing I do with my paycheck. God's the first thing. God's the most important thing. We, we give the tithe 10%. We give it in a way where we want to grow and get better and better at giving. We want to give joyously. We want to give happily. And you know, folks, I, I thought here again was kind of a new thought. A lot of times when we're teaching on giving, the focus is on the vertical relationship, right? 
We look at the things the scripture says that needs to happen in our heart and life, disciplines that, that giving helps. We think about what we're trying to communicate to God when we give. But you know what, folks, in the context today, giving is a commitment we make to each other. Hey, we're all enjoying something here. At the moment, we're all enjoying the fact that the lights are on, right? And so all together, we pay for the lights. All together, we pay for the chairs. All together, we pay for what takes place here. We're not counting on other people to cover our share. Now, here's the tricky part of this. It's not like we all know if we're giving. It's not like we all know what each other is giving. But that's just a, that's kind of a place of the integrity of the heart, right? I know I'm contributing. I know I'm a part of bringing about the whole and doing what we do here, joining God in the work he's doing. It's a commitment we make to one another. Third commitment. I commit to honoring God by reading his word daily. I, I love this one. This is a commitment we make to each other. Tell you what, I'll see you next Sunday. And between now and next Sunday, I'm going to do the best I can to grow in the Lord. I'm going to do the best I can to keep my ears tuned to him, to keep my heart sensitive to him. I'm going to keep my, I'm, I'm going to make a commitment to you that I'm going to place myself in the presence of God. And folks, reading God's word is not the only way to do that. But that's, a, again, a very foundational commitment. A, a, a very uh, minimum commitment. Hey, this is something I do. We're going to go away from here and we may not see each other till Wednesday or Sunday. Maybe some of us cross paths during the week, but you know this, I'm committed to growing in the Lord while we're apart. Because what did we say last week? I have an impact. You have an impact on the strength and health of the whole. And so I've got a responsibility to you. I've got a responsibility to be growing in the Lord. I've got a responsibility to be obedient. I'm going to use God's word to help me do that. Number four, I commit to honoring God by living in community with believers, by participating in a life group, a Sunday school class, a Bible fellowship, a small group, whatever word you want to use today. What it says, folks, is that believe it or not, this isn't enough. Now, I just said number one was the foundational commitment. If we can't get number one, it's hard to make the others happen. But here's the problem. If this is all I have, I can come in here 47 out of the next 52 Sundays and remain a total stranger. And that is not in any way, shape, or form God's design for the church. There's nothing in the New Testament that we would, that would say we come in here as individuals, remain strangers. Maybe we can wave to one or two people, but we're just going to, we're going to kind of keep it loose. I'm going to kind of stay out here on the fringe. I don't, I don't really want, no, the New Testament says we're constantly moving to the center so that we can do all that one anothering we've talked about. Love one another, serve one another, help one another, minister to one another. We have to be involved in relationship. You know, I, I would imagine a lot of us in here, we have good Christian relationships outside of the church with believers that go to other churches. Maybe you have a prayer group at work, a Bible study at work. Maybe a lot of our kids involved at FCA at, at school. That's awesome. We absolutely need those things and should be seeking out those opportunities. But it's mandatory in the church. It's mandatory inside the church that we are placing ourselves in a place to grow in relationship. You know, I had a, another, revel, it's been a week of revelations for me. <laughs> I had another, another revelation. I have, throughout my ministry, basically, and I'll use this word, sold this idea by, you want to be in a small group because here's the things it'll do for you. 
And I've gone kind of on the, on the here's all the benefits that come with being in a, in a smaller group. And it kind of dawned on me one day, I wouldn't be drawn by any of those benefits because I'm an introvert. I actually have very little need to have my name known. I have very little need for somebody to say hello to me. I have very little need to be in a, in a group and, and to be a lot of activity. I, folks, in a weird kind of way, I don't, I don't always feel like, I wouldn't naturally think I have a need for somebody to pray for me because that would inquire, require that I talk to them and tell them what a need is in my life. And the average introvert isn't looking for any of that. But you know what? I started thinking about, well, gosh, from Scripture, if I'm not really drawn by these benefits, why would somebody do that? And I look at Scripture and I realize not once does God sell the idea of relationship based on what it does for you but rather how he's going to use you in their life. Now, I don't think God quite would say it like this, but it's the only way I know who, how to communicate it. So let me pretend like I'm God talking. You need to be in a small group. And I don't care what it means to you. I don't care what you benefit from it. I want you there because of what it's going to mean to somebody else. I want you in that place so I can move and work and speak through you what I want to do in their life when they have that need. Folks, the drive here from Scripture is not, oh, look at all the the goodies you'll get from being involved, but rather look at the obedience and the faithfulness you get from being where God's told you to be. We connect in the church. We relate in the church. You know, we have a as you heard in the announcements a moment ago, big day coming up in church two weeks from now. Uh, friend day, as a matter of fact, let me dig this out right here. I got a little band here on my arm and it says friend. And you get to get one on the way out too. And so it reminds me, hey, this is to be a place of friends. But actually what this reminds me moving toward uh, friend day is, hey, who am I praying for? Who am I inviting? Maybe somebody will even ask me, why do you have that blue band on your hand? I'm glad you asked. You're my friend for friend day. Okay. And so, but here's the thing. You know what? We all do this. You know why we do it? Because this is what our family is doing. And so we do it together. Now, what what this is about, Friend Day, is all of those that are in a life group are going to go out into the world and shake the bushes and the trees and find their friends and bring them to worship, bring them to life group. Let them see what God's doing here uh, in our lives. But if you're in this church family and you're not a part of a life group, could I encourage you to be a part of our family that day? Make our family activity happen and go to a life group. You look inside your bulletin, there's a list of the life groups. There's a couple new classes starting. Folks, while March 22nd is two weeks from now, is a day coming up that you could kind of focus on that. The truth is you can try it any Sunday. You, any Sunday, you can go out here to our life group and say, hey, how do I find a life group? How do I find a, a group for me? And you know what? Life groups have a personality and there'll be some you won't gel with. The good news is in our church, you got two, three, four, some cases, maybe even more options than that. Try the one till you find the one that is a, a fit for you. So we make a commitment to do that. And then, am I on the last one? No, I got two more to go. I commit to honoring God, number five, with my life by being a witness of what he's done for me and inviting at least three friends to come be my guest at church this year. Now, why is this a foundational commitment to to go out and get somebody and bring them to church? Actually, three people in 2015. Here's why. Because folks, it's why the church is on this earth. A lot of things we can do, a lot of things we should do. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he left one great command, go get them. Go get them, go and tell. Did you know there's not a single verse where God tells lost people to go to church and find him? There's not a single verse that says, hey world, you should be in church this Sunday. What it does say, hey, is all you church people, go get them. 
And you bring them here. That's the activity, not just of the heights, folks. It's the activity of the church. This is what our body does until Jesus comes and gets it. So help us be a faithful body and be thinking all the time. Just kind of have this outreach mindset. Who can I bring? Who can I invite? And then our last commitment, I commit to honor God by discovering more about how God wants to use me and serving the church based on my spiritual gifts and abilities. And and of course, this is kind of the center of all of this, 1 Corinthians 12. We all serve. We all uh, contribute to making the work, making the ministry happen here at the church. One thing I think you find very rarely around here, we don't send around a a lot of clipboards and then make you feel guilty until you sign up for something. That that doesn't really work, not for any church, not for anywhere. It sure happens a lot. But, But our goal is not to guilt you into filling out a blank of something we need done this week. But, but rather, folks, what we'd like to do is, is help you understand and know your personality, your physical gifts and abilities, your spiritual gifts and abilities, look at your time schedule, and help you plug into a place in our church where you would be most fulfilled serving. We actually have the, the ability to help you do that. We have classes designed for helping you do that. And, of course, you can just plug right in and get, and get started, too. And, and you know what our goal is? 100%. If we have 1,500 jobs at this campus and we fill it up with 1,500 people, I'm going to go try to create 500 more because the goal is not a number. The goal is 100%. How, what percentage of your physical body, what percentage of your body do you want to work? I, I, I'd like 100% of mine to work. I'm kind of grateful that apparently with some of these parts, I can still live. I can, I can still keep going if, I, if some of it starts to break down and not quite work like it should. But, but I don't want to work. I don't want to function on 90%. I want to function on 100%. And folks, that's what we should want for our church. 100% of the body serving and working. You know, as we leave here, as we go out these doors to the left, right over here, there's a desk and, and Debbie and some others, Debbie Huberman's our volunteer coordinator. Some others will be standing back there and you can walk up there and say, hey man, how do I plug in? How can I serve? Or, or he said, I can actually figure out. How do I do that? There's a group of people there that would love to talk with you about how that can happen in your life today. Now folks, if you look at these, at these commitments, Okay, obviously there is a need and, and, and you should take this home and, and read these verses and pray about this and think about how does this kind of get unwrapped in my life? What would these commitments look like in my life? If you're here as a couple, if you're here as a family, man, if you're here as a family, I sure hope one night this week, maybe after dinner, you sit down with this card and say, how does this card, how does our family represent this card and how can this card represent our family? How can, how can this be what we do as a home and, and as a family? And so, yeah, there's a lot here to still figure out, develop, talk about, and pray. But folks, I think there's something to do right here and right now. You know, I, I always want to say this very carefully. You don't need to pray about this because actually I think you should pray about everything. But you don't actually need to pray about whether you're going to obey God or not. Hey, God, I know you said this in your word. So did you really want me to do that? Because God's going to go, uh... Yes, prayer over, amen, go do it. And, and, and folks, these are all biblical commands. These aren't neat ideas that we came up with. This isn't something we said, oh, this is what our particular church needs. This is what we are to be and do as the body of Christ. This is what God designed. 
And I want to encourage you today to, to check these, to sign it. And in a moment, we'll have some music to come down here. And you can see we left the cards here because you and I don't do this alone. It's not this service. We join hundreds, probably at this point now, thousands of others in making this commitment. We come down here as individuals, but we're connecting with, we're joining a team, an entire body in doing this. And you say, well, do you have to sign it? Do you have to bring it down to do this? No, of course you don't have to. No, there's nothing magical when your card lands on the step. But I'll tell you what, folks, commitments that require no movement are commitments that usually have no movement. You know, we've got boxes here. They're not to check four out of the six or three out of the six or five out of the six. All six are required of a believer. When you, when you say, no, I'm not going to do that when you're telling God, no, I'm not going to be faithful to what you've called me to be in the body. I'm not going to honor you in this way, Lord. No, we, we want to check all six. So why put the boxes there? So that I can see myself interacting with each one of these commitments. So I can see myself signing, saying, yes, this is who I want to be. This is what I want to do. And I see myself joining a family, individuals, but a family coming down here and dedicating to this Lord, dropping this card at his altar saying, God, this is yours. Help me bring it about. Help me do it. Let me ask you one last question. Will you let God begin something special in your life today, folks? And this great promise we've been looking at, honor me and I'll honor you. You know, I don't, I don't think there's one of these messages, one of these passages that's more important than the other because God doesn't rank them. God doesn't say, do these 10 things in the following order. Now, they're all significant. They're all a part of honoring the Lord. I think this issue is so important because I think of all the things we've looked at, this is the one that's most unthought about. This is the one I think probably the least amount of believers interact with, which means that maybe for some of us, maybe for many of us, this is the most wide open area for us to really present to God, I want to honor you. I want to see you honor me. I want to see you do a new work in my life. And I'm moving forward to show the weight of who you are and what you've done in my life. And folks, when God saved you, when he saved you from sin and death and gave you eternal life, he puts you in a body, the body of Christ, the church. If we're going to honor the Lord, we're going to honor where he placed us inside the church. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray now that you, that you would move and work across this room to guide each of us individually as to what this card should mean in our lives. I pray that you would guide each of us individually the kind of commitment we want to make in how we honor you and how we honor your church. Lord, as we check, as we sign, as you see us moving forward, I pray you are blessed. I pray you are honored by us as a whole. I pray you see us as a church family, exalting you, honoring you, stepping forward in faith, stepping forward in obedience. Lord, I, I know for some in this room, these are disciplines that are already very much a part of our lives, very much a part of who we are and what we do. And today's just a chance to celebrate that, a chance to renew that, a chance to remind myself that I do these things with friends, that I do these things with a body. And Lord, there's others in the room that maybe one or more of these things is going to kind of be a new discipline, a new idea. Maybe, maybe it even scares us a little bit. We're not quite sure what that'll look like or how we'll do that or if we can do it. But Lord, we take that step of faith. We take that step of faith we commit to you out of a desire to honor you. 
And Lord, I pray for us as a church that you would fulfill your promise. That as you see our family honoring you, you will honor this church. Lord, I pray for us as individuals, as you see us stepping forward to honor you by honoring your church. Lord, I pray you'll honor their lives. You'll honor those places in their life where they desperately need to see you move, work, guide, heal, make yourself known. God, as we seek to honor you in this moment, you honor us. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You come.